nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. We're here to discuss a nice, fun week where I'm going to apologize to a lot of people after uh, Austin FC with emphatic 3-0 victories over uh, FC Frisco and uh, the Houston Dynamo. Joining me today are Seth, who knows everything. Seth, how are you feeling? You know, um, better than I was last week. Uh, that's good. Yeah, and uh, Brad Tillery, as always, you can follow on Twitter at AU underscore Trout. Uh, Brad, how are you doing today? No real voice much left after this week, but it's it's been a good week. We'll take six points. Yeah, and we'll take what we can uh, get out of you. I'm sure we're all a little drained from especially the uh, the Wednesday game, but I wanted to kick today off with some word association. We'll start with Seth. Seth, when I say the words, fuck Dallas, what immediately comes to mind? Uh, fuck Frisco. Okay, and Brad, when we say fuck Frisco, what immediately comes to mind for you? Fuck the Houston Dynamo. Okay, uh, and I'll finish out. Um, we run the state, we run the show. Um, yeah, it was a good week. And uh, as I said, there are a lot of people who we continuously, especially me, rag on in this podcast who had very good weeks. Um, so, I mean, I guess let's kind of dive into it. Both the games were a little weird. So we had the um, time delay on both uh, due to the heat, which I guess the MLS scheduling office didn't know in June or know that it's hot as fuck in Texas in June when they scheduled these games. But I mean, so I'll talk a little bit more about that. Apple thought it would be a great idea to standardize everything at 739 local time and just not based on reality. Like this doesn't make like, yes, the MLS schedule before wasn't necessarily ideal for things, but like, does it make sense to play a 739 game at Mar in March in Minnesota? No, it doesn't. Like you have to start using some, like, this is a big country. This, you need to adjust to things. And hopefully next year we'll see some adjustments in this. Yes, I think it is nice to have some sort of a set window, but having some more flexibility on this is going to be needed. And it's also going to help a lot of other people watch games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to find the balance, right, between standardization and, like, reality. Because, I mean, there are other days, too, where we're conflicting with other sports and, uh, especially when you get into college football season, you know, nobody's, you know, watching MLS. Uh, your average fan, I guess, isn't watching well, MLS versus a, a huge SEC clash or something. But it's also that you have, like, yes, I think some MLS fans, I mean, th the three of us are in this world of being multiple sports fans. You have some Nickers people FC. That, Yeah, but as, as you start going through everything here, that it is, crazy to me that you had the gold cup which admittedly i was at last night in chicago and she asked me ran on a b-list side but you played 14 mls matches at the start of what is supposed to be your premier north american tournament at the same yeah. time how does that make sense from anyone involved it's wild to me that u.s soccer didn't take advantage of an open window yesterday afternoon to play that yeah. game or the and or con the calf i should say yeah, well, yes. Like, you would have had it, you had an open window, unlike in Texas. The weather here has, I mean, it was a little humid last night. I was definitely had to take a shower when I got home from the game. But, like, it would have been yesterday by the lake, it was, like, 78, 79 degrees. You could have played that game at 2 o'clock Central Time and yeah. had no issues. Or you sure fine. the shower wait, was wait. from the, uh, the heat and not the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they would have had to wait till three because they would have needed to finish the uh, Cubs Cardinals game in London. So we could have gone from one game in a soccer stadium to a game in a football stadium. Which, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you had Fox 
broadcasting rights for both of those games. Exactly. So, from my point, why wouldn't Fox just roll that in? And you had yeah. the you had three hours or to advertise that game within baseball too. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean that that. But we're thinking logically here. I mean, Fox didn't even show the game last night. Uh, they showed it on FS1, and they let Univision do a nine oh six local time kickoff. Like a nine oh six local time kickoff in Austin makes sense this time of year. A nine oh six kickoff in Chicago does not make sense. Yeah. No, and I mean, I kind of, I'm a little fine with the later kickoffs for the Heat, but like schedule it ahead of time we found out what like under 36 hours in advance on this one that it was pushed back an hour and like it doesn't affect me that much but like there are people with like kids and babysitters and you know you have to arrange rides and all sorts of stuff like that and it's a giant fucking hassle for everybody and it's kind yeah. of just yeah. a yeah it, it, it's insane they should I, I said this on slack i'll say it again here like the fact that the july 15th uh kansas city match or the july 29th match against juarez have not been moved back an hour or especially in leagues cup you could do whatever you want there like they're starting matches on out like they have complete flexibility there i understand they like this 39 window for that to do pre-game shows to sync it for multiple i get that but it is yeah no like for games in dallas houston and austin in the summertime they should be starting on mountain time just because of reality yeah it feels a little bit like the uh, production crews are kind of ruining the product or uh running the show a little more than they should be yeah, I mean, and like there, there are reasonable compromises. Starting this match, if they had announced this match as an eight thirty match at the beginning of the season, no one would have batted an eye. Or even like you know when they delayed the Frisco one, mm-hmm. put them both in there. Uh, I mean, you well, I mean, and guys. the funny thing is, like the Storms would have delayed that on their own. Like that match was starting at ten o'clock, regardless of what time it kicked, was supposed to Apple kick off at. Yeah, that was actually pretty uh, pretty funny. I don't think we got down. Uh, we have like our our pregame spot. I don't think we got down there until almost nine o'clock because we knew uh, the game wasn't starting on time. So it, it, uh, it actually turned out kind of nice, but um, yeah. I was on the floor working the game Wednesday night behind uh, the goal in the supporter section and uh, got, got rained on and lightning everywhere. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to like say, a- did, did either team, I mean, it's a little hard for me not being in the stadium. I didn't hear drums from either team this week. Did we actually officially ban them? No, I don't think they got banned yet, um, but they did not come. Uh, you know, the Frisco supporters only brought about 50 to 60 people Yeah, um, on a Wednesday night, which is to be expected. I, I thought theirs was more excusable than Houston last night if they were allowed because, you know, it's a Wednesday night. Okay, fine. No problem. Yeah. But Houston didn't bring any last night, and they only brought about 85 in their section. Um, yeah. Which, for their first Saturday night game in Austin ever, that's a – man, I'm trying not to dump on Houston just all the time. I get it to a degree. But Hector Herrera said earlier this week, where the hell's the support for this team that's actually doing really well in the standings and they win at home constantly? Yeah. And then their first Saturday night – game in Austin that they've ever gotten to play and they can't bring a hundred people. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, to be slightly fair to them, I, uh, the orange pops at the stadium. So like if you're watching the game on TV, you could see like, okay, there's, there were four to six orange shirts in most yeah. sections. I had three sitting around me. I'm just talking about their, their SG. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, but it's yeah. getting to the point of what have like, how royally have they screwed up their marketing and everything else? Like, it is – I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. What I mean, as Brad said, like, they're killing people at home right now. 
and you still yeah. can't get people to show up. So, I mean, you know, anybody who's looking for a marketing position, uh, um, write up your proposal and send it to Dynamo Highlighter. I mean, they're still fourth in the West, too. It's not like they're a bad team. Um, now, granted, they're also one game away from being out of the playoffs because the West <laughs> is stupid right now. Um, but they're they're not a bad team. And I don't know why people don't go and really support that club down there because they're getting better every week. Now, last night excluded for them. Yeah. But it's, guess, it's, but it's amazing ahead. what happens when their own fans don't feel safe going in their stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard some rumors of some drama, but I don't know if we've had anything confirmed. I did think that they uh, – I noticed when I was leaving, there were different kind of patterns of people leaving the stadium. So maybe there was some security kind of flowing people out or something. But um, I guess the other thing to mention, too, when we get these later kickoffs, it's more time for people to get a little restless and have a little too much to drink and things like that. So um, that's another reason, like, you you see this all the time in England. You have a huge derby match. It's the earliest kickoff time yep. um, for that exact reason. But, well, that's, uh, that's why we played at 1230 in Houston last April. Yep. I mean, heck, St. Louis City and Chicago kicked off at 12.09 this year. They let that happen. Even yeah. the Apple, our Apple overlords without an FS1 or Fox broadcast let that happen. Which is wild because they've never played a game against each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I mean, you go to a Cubs-Cardinals games, it's very, you know, like, oh, some people say some mean stuff, but it's very jovial. You don't have people it's, in fistfights or anything. I Cubs-Cardinals game in the bleachers, and it was totally fine. It was yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blackhawks Blues may be a little different story, but um, I think you're getting a little more of the baseball fan base for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess let's jump into it. You guys want to start on uh, the Wednesday game where we utterly destroyed Frisco and probably should have won by five more goals? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you guys agree with that analysis? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it's really, it, so it, it's funny. Like you look at this uh, on watching that game live. Absolutely. We should have won seven, eight, nil. but, yep. or, or maybe one. I mean, Frisco should have scored one near, near the end there, yep. but um, it was, but then again, a lot of those chances ended up being taken away on fouls and others like, Oh, Martin Paz had this amazing game. Oh, wait a minute. Almost like his amazing double save. Oh, it was offside. It doesn't count. Like, you start going through a number of those things, you realize, like, oh, I guess he didn't really have that many saves that actually counted because he was making these amazing acrobatic saves that were just going to be called off anyways. Except for the one against Dreyusi that would have been a just absolute rocket of a goal. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Set play off a corner. We don't take it short. Killer shot, and he ruins it. Um, I thought – I actually watched the highlights again. I thought he had a really good game live in the stands, obviously. And I watched it. He's kind of at fault for definitely the first goal, maybe even the second one, because he kind of fluffs at the corner that leads to that, like, absolutely perfect Diego chip. <laughs> um, and so I'm kind of wondering now, like, wait, did this guy actually kind of have a bad game when we're all like, oh, Poss was great? Yeah, I didn't think he was that fantastic. Now, I had to go rewatch the whole game. Like I said, Wednesday night I was on the floor and kind of working part of the game for, uh, you know, making sure capos and stuff had water. And I could only see bits and pieces here and there from the floor. And you can't really – you don't have the tactical view down there, obviously. No. Um, but I didn't think he was great, man. I, I thought any real opportunity that we had to score, we took advantage of. Um, you know – 
the Finley goal, what's he going to do, right? Ball just kind of fell to Finley's feet two feet from – or two yards from the goal line. There's nothing well, Moss can do. Well, he spills it into Finley's path is the problem. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, Diego's goal, it's funny. If you go back and watch that, uh, you'll see somebody right behind the goal, kind of just to the left of the goal, throw their arms up about a half a second to a full second before everybody else starts celebrating. That's me. Cause I can see the trajectory <laughs> of the ball. Like, and I paused the video to check it. I'm celebrating when the ball is at the six yard mark before it even uh, fully clears the uh, pass's head. Um, also Diego, when he did the celly, I happened to be right next to the ball on the stand and he's like, Hey, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. I was like, uh, what? It took me a couple of seconds to process what he wanted. Um, so that was fun. Um, uh, Brad, yeah. was that was that your first time ever watching a match from that perspective? Yeah, yeah. How, how'd you like that? Yeah, I'm gonna do it again later in the year. Like I said, I really you don't get to watch a lot of the match because you are um, working. You know, you're yeah. trying to make sure there's water for Capos. You're trying to make sure you're also keeping an eye on what's going on in the section. If there's any issues, you're keeping helping out with cheers and making sure people are singing. But when you get to actually turn around and see a few minutes of it, it's neat. Um, you see the quickness. Um, you see some of the, sl- the smaller movements. Um, also kind of nice to be able to just literally lean over the the boards right there when somebody's making a run and just give them some encouragement. Um, yeah. There was a play in the first half where Jossie made a run and it didn't end up in a goal, but it was a really nice effort play. Just be able to lean over and know that he's hearing you um, was was fun. Would you want to go back and kind of, you know, if you're not, you know, working the floor, just sort of stand in the supporter section, maybe a row or two further up or something and, and uh, watch from there? No, no, no. It's because I like to watch a tactical view. Like, and that, okay. that's not happening down there. Um, so would I, would I do it if I wasn't working down there? No, if I'm, if I'm going to hang in the supporter section, I'd be about halfway up to be quite frank with you. Okay. Um, to be able to see what, see, to be able to see the field a little more. But yeah, um, halfway up in our supporter section, you can't see a darn thing, and that's okay, and we like that. But <laughs> well, because of the flags that are flying everywhere, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but from a view perspective, let's you know, if I were actually trying to watch it, it'd be somewhere in that range. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. You, you definitely can hear the crowd roar a little more. Um, it, it, I enjoyed it. You know, and I'll be doing it again later this year. It's kind of a rotational thing um, within leadership of uh, LV. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a different feel. It's a different vibe for sure. It's it's a not as laid back. <laughs> no, a little more active. Uh, yeah. watching there. Uh, but let's talk about the chip a little bit. So uh, Cross comes in, Poss kind of flaps at it. Uh, very smart play by a guy who I rag on a lot, Ethan Finley. Lays it back. Diego, first time. Uh, kind of a weird body shape with how he hits it, but obviously the ball, you know, flies in. Nobody's going to stop it. And um, I'm not sure this ever really gets, like, well above uh, crossbar height, which is incredibly hard to do if you're chipping from that close in. Uh, so I think like full marks to Diego on uh, on the technique here. Yeah, it only went a couple of feet above the crossbar. It wasn't much above it. Um, it, it didn't clear Pasa's hand by too much either. If you yeah. actually really look at it, um, it, it was perfectly weighted by Diego. Yeah, and it gets the nice uh, nestle in the back of the net, like just behind the uh, the bar at the base of the goal. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very nice, clean shot. Uh, not quite true season in the opening game, but um, 
something you love to see and I think definitely energized the crowd a bit. Yeah, and I think it just it was important for Diego to score that goal. I mean, even yesterday, Diego looked far more confident playing out there, and he looked like the Diego Fagundes that we got to know over the first two seasons of this club. Yeah, I think he's still getting up to fitness. It looked like about, I don't know, 60, 70 in. He's kind of dragging a little bit still. He's not, you know, he's a sprint player a lot of the time. So I think he's still kind of working back, but it's nice to get, like you said, um, Diego needed that goal as much as Austin FC did. And uh, I guess, too, um, you know, I mentioned Ethan Finley, Jossi Zardes, uh, two goals, two games, two Copa Tejas matches uh, for each of them. Uh, do I owe them apologies? I mean, Ethan Finley looked, not just because he got poached goals there, but he was putting himself in position. He was being used. I mean, he looks better than Ragoni. Like, it is, like... Honestly, if we look at when we went on our big run, like I was thinking about this a lot coming into this, is that last season where we built up our margin was right around this point in the season. And we go on a road trip right after this, um, this year to Miami, Minnesota, and Vancouver, pretty much the longest road trip you can run in MLS. Um, I mean, last year we had a similar stretch where we did Charlotte, Denver, Atlanta, and we picked up nine points in that stretch. And those nine points ended up proving to be really critical in the second place finish for the side last year. And in those stretches, Ethan Finley was absolutely great. And if Ethan Finley hits those that, that form again, and it looks like he is, like that's going to be absolutely essential as we have this four-match run up to League's Cup. Yeah, Ethan did some really nice off-ball runs this week, um, which opened up space and, and got him into position a couple of times. Um, maybe a little fortunate last night with the goal because if it doesn't deflect off of the defender's head and it's off of uh, Jossie's head, then it's offside. Um, but, you know, got to be there to make the run to be on the ball. Um, so all credit to him. And, you know, I it's funny. We're saying he's playing better than Rigoni, and he is. But I, I still contend the right side is not Rigoni's preferred spot. And our DP winger is playing or wants to play the exact same position that our million dollar winger wants to play, which is the left side. Our two million dollar winger. Is Diego making two? I thought he was making no, no, one. No, no, I'm sorry. No, uh, Ragoni is making, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Our DP yeah, wingers. Our yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, that's where the problem lies to me and figuring out, if Finley's form falls off, and I hope it doesn't because the guy's been playing great and he deserves the minutes with the way he's playing right now. Um, but if his form falls off, and Finley can be weird three, four-game stretches either way um, that we've seen over the last year and a half, where do you really put Ragoni? Is it on the right side? or? And I know you love to have Diego to be able to cut back in on his right foot, but Diego can play the right side effectively. Ragoni can't. I mean, and, my answer right now is the bench, but. But eventually you're going to have to more than likely make this decision. Yeah, um, I agree. But I mean, there was a very telling moment at the end of the uh, the Frisco game um, where he's on the left and he has a five on zero or five on one. And we don't even get a shot off. Yeah. Yeah, but. It's funny, and we should have scored a goal there. It's five on one. I, I get that. 
But I'm also sitting here going, you know what was nice about that? That was a second or third time in the game that we had a direct counterattack. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when had we been doing that all year? But so. but maybe maybe that's that could be Coach Wolf's point of like we can't even get score five on one. Why are we doing this? <laughs> I, I think you're giving Josh a little too much credit, but maybe not. So I mean, we're kind of poking at this, but like I noticed this especially against Frisco, who by the way had probably the worst backline I've seen of any team we've played this season by a mile. Oh um, yeah, have you seen the inner Miami backline that we're going to face yeah. next week? Miami's well, I mean, hard. are they their starters or like a B team? Like we were no, playing it's against well, Kamal Miller and DeAndre Edlin are both going to be at the Gold Cup. So right. um, uh, Miami starters up- versus Frisco's B slash C team would be a hell of a wild watch. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so we come off this break. We got guys moving off the ball. We're counterattacking. Is this personnel being back? Is this Wolf finally made some tactical adjustments? Because I think, uh, you know, I'm still on the fence. I want to see this type of thing for a longer sustained period of time. But, uh, Seth, you argued Wolf in. Is this, uh, I mean, it's obviously a great week for Josh Wolf, but uh, is this him kind of bucking up and learning a bit? I think it's a little bit of that. It's also that this is a team that has, responded well to adversity like that they get to a point where they do like this season has been like we are going to do just enough to keep enticing you in here like we're going to oh gosh we're right under pressure here we're going to pull off the win here then we're going to go lose an unexpected match like heck we might go lose in miami three nothing next week like anything is possible here Uh, but like when our backs have been up against the wall we've usually done just enough to get out of that I guess that sort of butts up into the question. I don't really want to, you know, bring it back since uh, it, it's been a really good week for Josh. He did wear Verde last night. Um, but, like, is, you know, backs against the wall and surviving good enough? Um, if that gets you to um, – if that gets you to a play – gets you to the playoffs without a playoff game, uh, yeah, I think that is good enough to keep his job. Okay. Brad, any thoughts here? Uh, so – I think what you saw this week was a combination of a few things, right? I thought the tactics were somewhat simplified and we played just more direct soccer, um, more line breaking soccer. When was the last time we had a pass from, from Lima to Zardes on that third goal Wednesday night? When was the last time we had a direct line breaking pass like that? Um, it's been a while. Um, when did the challenger blow up? <laughs> but, but, like, but, 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 but at the same time that both these teams allowed us to play direct most teams in MLS don't allow us to play as direct as I mean the Houston midfield outside of Hector Herrera last night I was uh, I don't know where they were Houston came out last night in a shell like they played they bunkered down and had no interest in trying to press us they yeah. were time wasting in the first minute or two yes yeah, it, it was it was surprising to see, honestly, I, I, their whole, their whole plan. And to a degree, I understood it was to sit back and try to hit a counter because they had speed up top against a slow back line. Okay. I, I get that, but it didn't make sense to me when Herrera is one of the better midfielders in this league. And he had a few moves last night and broke down a few guys that were just wild to watch. Um, so I didn't make, that didn't make any sense to me, but back to where, tactics and what I thought we did. I thought we simplified the games a little more. Uh, Obviously being healthy helps. Uh, Having the same lineup two games in a row for the first time all year or two games at all. It's literally the first two times this year that we have run the same lineup at any point. 
not back to back, just any point. Um, and, it, and it won't be three straight, sadly. Yeah, because we're unfortunately losing Radovanovic, who had a hell of a match last night. Um, and that that play he made late in the first half last night. We'll talk about it later during the Houston thing. But my goodness. Um, so, it, but you go back, and it, it, I thought the attacking was so different from game to game. Now, kind of had to be because Houston, as I mentioned, sat back so much more last night than I thought Frisco did. Um, but and Josh actually alluded to it in the post game uh, about, hey, we finally scored off some crosses. We take a lot of grief, and you know we got three headers tonight. But we can't rely on crossing and headers in the box because it's just not a path to score three a week. Um, we also scored yeah. off a short corner last night. Yeah. <laughs> it, there's a lot of things last night where I'm sure Josh is just laughing his ass off, saying, hey, it finally worked. But I'm I'm still on the fence. I'm, I'm very much with you, Devin, where it's, hey, let's see how this works over the long haul. Yeah, and I think you get a little, like, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, we obviously love that we kick the shit out of our in-state rivals. We're in pole position for Copa Tejas now. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you ever watch, like, college football, college basketball, you get a rivalry game, like, anything can happen. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's question over whether this is, like, actually sustainable for the rest of the season and the playoffs, um, you know, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, but, we got four games before League's Cup. Right. Yeah. And three of them are on the road. And as Seth mentioned, they're, it's a long road trip. But when you look at who we're playing, the Miami game, extremely winnable. Um, Minnesota on the road, if Take you could find, a, if you could find a point, point, great. If you yeah, but honestly, point, Minnesota has been horrendous at home this season. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a winnable a game. Opportunity. It's a winnable game, but if you find a point, you're not going to be angry about that, right? Yeah. Um, Vancouver on the road is the toughest of the three. Like yeah. Vancouver went into LAFC and won last night, y'all. Yep. Um, and Vancouver's right with us on points at 25. So the thing I have to look at from this whole perspective is the road trip is very doable to come out with anywhere between four and up to nine points like last year. I don't see nine happening, but four to six possible <laughs> doable. And if you can come out of that road trip, and then get the last game at home against Kansas City with a win over these next four games before the break. Anywhere between eight to 12 points, that will give me more confidence that, hey, you know what? The team is gelling, going in the direction that we want it to. And I'll start feeling much more confident about the rest of the season. Well, it depends yeah, I mean, how we play, too, right? Yeah, of course. But we get to a point where this is effectively a 500 team now. I mean, yes, we still only have seven wins. Uh, four draws, eight losses. But yeah, if we could get at least seven points out of these next four matches, 32 points coming in there, that puts us at 11 points there. Effectively, we only need one point a match at that point to get into the 8-9 playoff game. Yeah. Okay. That's not um, a bad spot to be in. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of talked about this plenty of times, but like that's sort of our bare minimum, but like you got to do the bare minimum before you get to above the bare minimum. <laughs> Yeah. So um, let's start checking those boxes off. Let's start playing a little better. And you yeah, know, once it, we get into the playoffs, anything can happen, right? Look, as I mentioned earlier, fourth, which is Houston right now, through ninth are separated by two points. Like 27, 27 for Houston, 27 for San Jose, 27 for Real, 26 for Dallas, 
20, 25 for us, 25 for Vancouver. That's four through nine right now in the West. It's it, San Jose and RSL both have, we have a match in hand on both of them. Mm-hmm. Which is I mean, crazy if you start looking at this. Like, And also you have to remember because it's MLS, the tiebreaker is not goal differential. Even though we did a nice job of closing our goal differential in the last two matches, it's wins. And seven wins for San Jose, seven wins for RSL, seven wins for Frisco, eight wins for the Dynamo. Heck, I mean, Seattle's only two points above them, and we have a match in hand on Seattle as well. Yeah, unless we go on some kind of a tear to build a little separation, decision day at San Jose could easily be the biggest decision day we've had so far in our short history. Buy your tickets now. (laughs) You mean like it matters at all? No, but like I could see a world on decision day where we're playing for anything from third to ninth, and that yeah. is a huge difference. Yeah, in this, yeah, and it's San Jose. It's going to be a chaotic game, no matter what. It'll be fun to watch, even if we lose. Yeah, I hope we're at least in a playoff spot at that point. Otherwise, that's going to be tight. Uh, there will be some some cardiac incidents going on. Yeah. Um, so I guess to uh, the only teams that are really kind of like out of it, and I don't, you know, kind of use that in air quotes because they're not that bad, are really like the Galaxy in Colorado. They're not part of that giant cluster, right? No, they're not. I mean, if you look at it, if you go down from there, Portland and SKC are next, and they they've each played more matches than us at 22, 21 points. Minnesota's only played eighteen matches at twenty one points. I definitely wouldn't. I mean, really, Galaxy and Colorado are the only two teams I would count out at this point but even then 10 points in this league i feel like is still possible to catch up with at this point yeah um where are we sitting in uh copa tejas standings seth sure so we um these two wins are huge so we're at six points um houston's at four and frisco is at one um every team can still technically win this the next copa tejas match is our match in frisco which we should have tickets on sale for in the coming days if the front office ever gets its act together um, but there's a um, – we only need a draw in that match to win this because it is the way that Copa Tejas tiebreakers work that if we end up – let's say we draw Frisco and Houston beats uh, Frisco at home in the final match on September 30th, it is – the tiebreaker is the goal differential between us and Houston. And since we won 3-0 last night and we only lost 2-1 over there in the Copa Tejas match that uh, we would win. So we only need a draw for another parking lot celebration. Okay, good. I was hoping the uh, tiebreaker wasn't going to be something like uh, away goals under a reverse vector about astrological sign or something very MLS like that. But um, okay, so uh, go to Frisco, get a draw, and we win Copa Tejas. Isn't that where we were at last year? It is. Um, yeah, it's it's the exact. But I mean, it's kind of funny that like with the extra matches that didn't count, though, we lost both of those matches, and people will accuse us of all sorts of silly things. But you know what? Yeah, play by the rules, and you win by the rules, and uh, hopefully we get a draw. I mean, it would be nice to get our first win up there as well, and take what we can get. I, yeah, I, I think that's doable, right? So I go back to that first Frisco match. And remember that that was a we weren't playing well at all in form. That was a zero zero game until we had a Manson off on a red card, sixty three minutes in. Still played our ass off, and it took a Ferreira late goal to beat us. Um, I, I don't, it, and that's the thing I think people have to recognize with Frisco. Jesus Ferreira is the only man on that team to score more than two goals all year. 
they have nothing in the attack when he's not there. And even when he is there, they're still not fantastic in the attack. So that's an extremely winnable game to me next month whenever we go up there. Or a month and a half, two months from now, I should say. He 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 looked pretty darn um what you call it? He looked pretty darn invisible at the match I was at last night. I mean, he did put the ball that led to the goal, but it wasn't an assist because it hit off of three Jamaican defenders. But <laughs> not that good of a player. I mean, yes, he has played very well against us. But, like, we should – if we can get another decent center back and hopefully by then Leo Weissenden is back, like, we should be able to stop him. Yeah, I guess let's go ahead and do the uh, the center back convo because it's going to come up. We saw Kippy get some minutes – against uh dallas i think came in like 85 88 something like that uh, played a full half against houston and kind of mixed for me pretty good on the defensive side the playing it out of the back side less so bradwood juicy um i liked what wolf did on wednesday night game in hand 10 12 minutes to go let's get kip some minutes get him back on the field start building a little confidence back up on the first team um, I thought that was smart. Kip looked fine Wednesday night in a little bit of time he had. Last night, um, I thought it was okay. I thought defensively he did a really good job. He, yep. did his, he did what he needed to do. It's very clear that Houston had the plan. The moment Kip had the ball at his feet, they were swarming him, trying to force him into a mistake. Um, and he almost made a couple. Uh, he had one pass that I was – perfectly happy with where it was just a long ball opposite way it, it turned possession over but it wasn't in a spot that was going to kill us um because the ball ended up 35 40 yards from goal right okay fine i don't care um so he was he was fine he, he's just got to calm down a little bit and show that he can make some of those progressive passes uh in order for defenses to back off on him uh trying to force that mistake yeah, and I mean, you don't really want your center backs kind of lashing it across the face of goal, but I'm with you. It, it could have gone a lot worse. Um, but uh, so we're kind of burying the lead here, I guess, too. Uh, Rado's not coming back. Uh, last night was his last game. It's already been announced, official, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought he was I a cry. great. What? <laughs> Excuse me while I cry. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't know the situation here. He could have always been signed only through this little bit, just to showcase to get him some uh, some minutes for his highlight reel to help him easier or to get easier to sign in Europe. That may have always been the plan. Um, and you know, he's still got the shoulder thing. There are plenty of off field reasons we'll call him uh, not to re-sign him. But uh, Seth, do you have any uh, insight on anybody we're looking at or why uh, Rado wouldn't be coming back? Um, I think it's, you get to a point where this was only a loan on a certain time frame that there wasn't – we have no idea if his Belgian club was willing to sell him here, if we were willing to pay a price for him. Like, I could easily see, like, hey, let's keep him on loan for the rest of the year. But does he make sense for a 24? I mean, he was making 600 k a year if he went out to an annualized salary. Does that make sense for a third center back to use that as an international spot? I mean, if you're going to play a back three, yes. If you're not – probably not in this league um so it's just and like with his health issues and other things like that i it's it seemed clear that we as fans rated him more than uh than coach wolf did but like yeah that's where we're at i really hope that we i mean i 
expect that Kip will get the start in uh, South Florida next week, unless Ring is healthy. If Ring is healthy, Ring will get that role. But we saw a lot of Kip this week in the in my mind in the anticipation that he'll be starting um, in South Florida um, uh, next Saturday. Yeah, and I want to make another point here in in Kip's defense that's related to Rado, and part of the reason I like Rado a lot too. Uh, if we're going to try to play out of the back as much as we do, having a left-footed center back in that left side is hugely helpful for the reasons we saw on the passes Kippy kind of aired on last night. It's a lot easier to shift your outside foot and just smack it up the field mm-hmm. if you're in trouble than it is if you're trying to like switch off to your right and play it up the middle. And it, especially if you're kind of already a little low on confidence, it's really hard to do those sorts of things. Yep. No, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully Alex Ring is healthy enough to be able – I'll be curious to see what he could do um, in practice this week if we start getting nuggets there. But if I were Austin FC, I hope that this center back signing, even if it officially can't be signed and papered in New York until July 5th, is ready to go this week, that there's some – public announcements if the player is international that we are working on visas because like honestly we're not gonna have that player until leagues cup at earliest because of just the way that we integrate guys no it was a domestic player i was hoping part of the like holding ring out was like okay we got rado we'll use rado let's make sure ring is healthy for these four games until we can get somebody else in and I don't know if I'm, you know, giving the front office way too much credit for like 4D chess or something there, but um... yeah, yeah. I, first of all, and I know Rado, you're probably never going to hear this. Thank you for the loan coming over, separating your shoulder, and just being a boss even after that. Had another uh, hockey player moment last night. I mean, that play late in the first half. With I didn't see who had the I don't remember who had the ball. Was it uh, Hector Herrera had the ball first? Was it Herrera that had the yeah, ball? Yeah, Herrera. I mean, if you watch again, like he like juked out three apart defense. Like it was. I mean, it was an incredible run by him. Yeah, and Rado single handedly snuffed that out. Yeah, um, we're talking about when he ran he, down the uh, the guy on the left side. It's arguably the best play defensively I've seen at Q two Stadium. Yeah, and the the second one is Rado with the like overhead. Take yeah. the ball off the guy's head, kick against yes. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm I'm gonna miss that guy. They, he was such a good calming influence when we needed him this year. I wish we could keep him. Um, I don't know if it's us not wanting to pay the loan. I don't know if it's just he doesn't maybe fit in the U.S. Whatever, right? I I, haven't, I don't know fully, but um, yeah. We're, we need to find someone in his vein in the in the transfer market right now. And Josh had mentioned last night post game that their quote plates are spinning uh, unquote when they're looking around in the market and center back is a priority. So I'll be curious to see how much money we're willing to go spend because Seth, you mentioned the cap realities um, and the international slot realities, or, or is there an option in league that we could find for a center back? Yeah, I mean we. This is ultimately we can play football manager all we want, but we are not Sean Rubio. And this is Sean Rubio's first huge test here. And if we do not make a a center back signing early on in this window, pressure will get hot quickly as it should. So let me make a point that I feel like has gone really ignored here. Um, Obviously we all have our doubts with some very big misses 
that the front office has made, but like we have the same people that signed Rado. Maybe they have another guy like that that they're just waiting on. Um, you know, maybe that's me being hopeful, but um, it's not like you know everybody in the fan base was screaming sign Alexander Radovanovich. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but I also feel like it is far easier to for the generic fan to be like, hey, I saw this striker who just scored two goals and a random Euro 2024 qualifier, and he's only worth a million dollars on transfer mark. We should go do that. People don't do the same thing for center backs. So I feel like that, I mean, I watch a lot. I watch an unhealthy amount of soccer. I am not watching the Belgian Jupiter to figure out which players were starting previously and are now on the bench. But that's why we pay people <laughs> to go do this stuff. Yeah. And, and hopefully, I mean, they, hopefully they have a list of 10 to 20 people who are solid and that it only takes one of them to come through. And would I don't if it's a loan through the end of the year, I'm fine with that. Or even if it's a signing for a year and a half, I'm probably good with that. But Let's figure out someone who is way better than Amro Tarek. Is that that hard? I mean, but like, <laughs> on the one hand, no. But the other hand, like, we've seen the U.S. immigration system. We've seen other things here. Like, you want to make sure that you have someone who can be set up for success. And that is not as easy as it looks. See, I'm going to choose to believe this is all a ruse and we're bringing back uh, Gabrielson with a uh, pro wrestling style return. And he's going to come out and just like hit Amro Tarek with a chair or something. <laughs> By God, that's Ruben's music. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do we actually know where Amro Tarek is? Is he still practicing with the team or anything? He's at the um, rooftop pool with a W. I was about to say, let, let, let's go look Not at the Amro Tarek's Instagram <laughs> stories here. Um, that is probably no, no stories in the last day or two. But um, yeah, because he posted um, a picture at St. David's on the 15th. Okay. And it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. Um, Also, if we want to do a summer buyout of him and pick up two center backs, I'm also good with that. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. So I I actually have the game on in the background here, Brad, that uh, it was number 10 for Houston uh, who made that run that Rado just like absolutely snuffs out. And then he stands up and pumps up the crowd. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I was getting it mixed up with um, Herrera had the juke shot that Rado stopped before it got the stupid. Yeah, yeah that happened uh, right afterwards. Yeah. I was going to say, the guy, whoever it was running down the field was way too fast to be Herrera. I thought that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got, I don't know, for a guy who like apparently doesn't like it in the U.S., he's having a damn good time at Q2. Yeah, I, like, like I said, man, his energy. Oh, sorry, 18 uh, LTU or something like that. I can't really see the jersey. His his energy, his willingness to put his body on the line, um, to play, to make some crazy defensive plays. I'm I'm just gonna miss the guy, man. I uh, the way people and I I was a big Gabrielson fan too last year, but the way people loved him, I have fallen for Rado's uh, play in the states since he's been here. Yeah, and hopefully uh, he doesn't sign for a different MLS club. <laughs> I guess yeah, no, get I, a... I don't see it. Like, but it's also one thing to be like, I could be really happy on the pitch at K2 for 90 minutes and then just like, not like, I mean, I mean, I feel like once you're a player, you're a player and you get to play in the atmosphere that our guys get to play in. You could be as happy as you want to be off on the pitch, but if you're off the pitch, life isn't great. Eh, okay. I get it. Yeah. I mean, Messi ain't moving to Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah, I mean, people forget that pro athletes have work-life balance too, right? <laughs> yeah, they are like we forget. Like most of these guys are just guys in their twenties and thirties as well. Like it is like they they do they are not just people that we're talking about on a podcast. They are real human beings. Erling Holland aside. Oh yeah, well he's whatever. That's well he's a cyborg, so that's fine. Yes. yeah. Him and him and Ellie Dela Cruz can go back to whatever planet they're from. <laughs> um, I guess do we want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the Houston match in depth. Sure. Uh, this one seemed a lot more interesting to me, especially because we're talking about like kind of longevity of our current play and um, whether it's sustainable. I thought we swatted Dallas aside, and it really wasn't much of a match. Um, this one was a lot more of a game. And uh, like Brad said earlier, Houston sat in a lot. They were wasting a lot of time early. And um, it was nice to get an early goal. Because I don't know if I wanted to see them kind of hit on these counters. Uh, novel theory, I know. Uh, if we were kind of like, you know, desperate for a goal in the 60th, 70th, 80th minute. But um, early goal, get a, uh, another one kind of late in the second half. Uh kill it off early in the, or sorry, uh, end of the first half, kill it off early in the second half. We almost had the same goal pattern in both games, but these felt a lot more earned. Um, like we were working a lot harder for him. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, what'd you guys think of the game? Yeah, go first. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you. I felt the, game, the goals last night against Houston were more deserved, more earned, I guess is the right report. Because we didn't look great for the first 10 or 15 minutes. I, I felt early in the game, we were kind of reverting back to possession without purpose. Yeah. Um, and it was just a lot of messing around in the back and no real movement to give folks places to go with the ball. There was one where I think Danny had the – or Stu had the ball. And he's just kind of slowly walking up the field. He's not getting pressured by Houston, but he literally had nowhere to go with it um, because all of our guys are just standing around. And he finally just booted one deep uh, and let Jossie try to try to win win a 50-50 ball. But uh, once the play opened up and they finally made some movement around the 15th, 20th minute, I felt that we settled in and had a much more controlled – attacking game plan that we wanted to play um so it, it was nice to see that but I got scared early in the game because it really felt like we were about to go back to the same old same old that we had been doing for months on end yeah oh we had a great win I guess we'll play like shit the next game it, um, it, it felt like that for a little bit yeah and I think you know we weren't like dominating the game when Finley scores and I think you mentioned it earlier um I mean it's good cross uh it very much looks like, and I thought it was live, it comes off Zardes and then Finley finishes it. It comes off the defender. I think we're a little lucky there. But, I mean, for me, that changes the whole game. They've got to come out of their shell. And then we started actually kind of taking the game to them. Yeah. We're taking that yeah. little extra space. Um, we worked the ball a lot, kind of down the channel, pulled it back, and then crossed from kind of the top corner of the box. Um, and we did it enough times that I think that was probably tactical um that's how we get the the second goal really uh there's a little more you know interplay in there but uh just a hell of a cross from Driussi and uh that guy Zardes is smacking in crosses now 
Hey, you know what? I guess I, I would be curious. Cause I don't think any of us have gone to an Austin FC practice recently, but like how much of our practices do you think are centered on crosses at this point? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Well, the thing I noticed the last couple of nights earlier in the year, Drayusi and Zardis were trying to take up much of the same space. Um, especially on final runs. And they, it seemed like they were playing opposite sides of the box a lot, which opened up more attacking opportunities in the last couple of games. So, and that's where you even have like Drew dropping back a little further and dropping a couple of dimes um, for assists last night too. So I, I want to see if that's a tactical change that keeps up because if it does, then it, it really does open up the attack for us. I wonder if that's a little bit of the um, benching Rigoni thing too, because uh, Ethan tends to stick a little wider. Sure. Yep. But you know, I it could just all be a coincidence, or you know, they threw out this group of guys and they said, "Hey, it looks good. Let's do that again." Um, I don't actually know what the depth of uh, coaching and analysis we do is, uh, or like forward scouting or anything like that. But um, I don't know it's weird we got all this joy and very little suffering seth what am i well, suffering over i mean we could there, there's plenty of things to suffer over we've talked about radvanovich leaving we've talked about oh wait a minute we have a dp who's on the bench and i doubt that we're going to go buy him out at this point um that's that's a problem yeah yeah and um like this team is still a, I don't know. I, I was thinking of it watch as I was in uh, watching the U S national team last night. And there were a lot of people that were thrilled, um, including some of us. I was like, Oh my God, BJ Callahan is just letting the guys play. And if you let the guys play and the guys playing are good, that works. If you just have a coach that lets the guys play and the guys are kind of mid, well, you're going to get kind of mid results. Like, our guys, our roster is still not as good as it needs to be, but it's good enough right now if it's correctly managed to make a playoff run. Yeah, and I think it's not good enough to win MLS Cup. It's not good enough to win Leagues Cup, but it is. It's not terrible, but it's not a. It's just like we are an average MLS team right now. Yeah, and that's okay. We can get better. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I think let the lads play is a little bit of a different strategy when you're doing national teams where they get whatever it is, 15 practices a year together versus an and actual club team. And they're also much higher quality guys. Like yeah. when you have the A U.S. national team, you can do that. When you have the B national team, which is made up of guys that would be MLS second or third teamers, which I'm surprised isn't a thing. Like that should be a, if like the ACC can choose a third team for college football. Why is it not a thing in MLS? But what do I know? I, I don't know very much here. But, like, that is effectively what the U.S. like national team that we're running out of the Gold Cup is. Like, it doesn't work as well. And for most MLS teams, it doesn't work as well. You need to have a system at a club level when you have mid-talent to get better than mid-results. Well, especially if we're going to try to do this top-to-bottom thing where we play the same style um, at FCTO and into the academy. Yeah. Uh, it can't just be, all right, go for it. Y'all yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> which, which is wild because I don't feel like we play the same style that we play. FSCTO plays as a first team. It They feel like they play more direct than the first team does. I mean, I mean it, they, it's a modification of it, but, yeah. like, there's there's still a lot of passing. There's still a lot of – and, like, honestly, 
if I am, um, if I'm Coach Wolf right now, what I would do is I think doing an emergency short, if, if Alex Ring is not going to be available for Saturday, bringing up um, Sal Matafrat, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. Masafaro. Uh, yeah, right? If you br- bringing up Masafaro on an emergency short-term loan for next Saturday is not a bad idea. And I, I, w- I would do that if I, if knowing what cards are available, if Alex Ring is not healthy to go. No, there's a legitimate debate on who's the better center back for FC2, if it's Masafero or if it's Kip Kelly. Well, I, that's a different debate than who translates better to the first team. And I think the huge thing here is both Kip and Sal are safety first defenders. And like they can play the ball, but like what we were talking about with Kip in trouble um, last night, I don't think Sal's going to do any better in that situation. Uh, and And that's my real big concern. It's not that he can't glide to the ball and clear it out. It's that he's going to glide to the ball. And instead of, you know, hitting it to row Z Wolf's going to ask him to try to pass it back or, you know, move the ball around and pass it out to the wing. And I think that's where our big disconnect for our center backs, either of them uh, from FSC to come from. But yeah, I would like to see him. There's a couple of guys on FSC to David Rodriguez has been absolutely destroying people lately. So um if we get into a spot where, you know, we have some some minutes, maybe in League's Cup, where we can chunk a guy on the wing or kind of like a an offset 10, I would love to see some of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and in League's Cup, I think we – and I have to double-check the rules here, but I think we have full roster flexibility. So I expect to see some 200 Mexico players, like, see some fun things like that. and It could get really interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how teams attack League Cup group play versus knockout rounds. Like, when do they take it seriously? Are they going to take it seriously from the get-go? You know, for the Mexican teams, it's essentially a preseason tournament. I mean, not really. I mean, Mexican League starts back this week, next weekend. Oh, shit, I did not realize that the Clausura started already. Yeah, the Clausura starts on Friday. And But they're also... I mean, just like MLS, they're missing a lot of stars in the league there, um, which are all due to Gold Cup, because Mexico is bringing out um, their... Um, their A-team. A- well, I-, I don't even want to call it their A-team, but like sort of their A-team, but it's kind of hilarious what Mexico's A-team has been reduced to. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, I did want to spend a little time, too. Uh, there were some very vile messages directed at Julio midweek. Um, and I was very happy to see him get a nice goal. And I think everybody else was. Um, and it was very nice of Drew UC to pass man of the match on to him. Uh, and I, you know, for me, that's everything this club should be about. And I wouldn't take a moment just to kind of talk about it a little bit or at least highlight it. But uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I thought it was weird that, I mean, yes, Drew had a great assist on the second goal and played well last night. But Drew wasn't the man of that match. Like, nope. Julio or honestly, give it, even though Rodvanovic only played the first half, it's his last game here. Like, I would have given it to him as well. But like giving it to Julio after that goal and just, I don't know if, if our listeners have had a chance to look at the um Twitter, Instagram clip of Julio after the match. And you can just tell the amount of people that sent comments, likes, DMs to him that were positive really reinforced the fact that, like, he wants to be at this club. Yeah. And the fact is, like, 
the best thing that we could do as fans, because there are so many toxic fans, even within our own fan base. Like, I got to acknowledge that. But it seeing that the overwhelming part of the fan base are fundamentally good people that want the players to stay here is just, it's a huge addition that most clubs in the world just simply don't have. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see. Um, I, a lot of overwhelming support for Julio. Getting that goal last night was cathartic for him, I think. And it was, it didn't hit me in the moment because I was too busy saying fuck Houston and just excited about winning, winning that it didn't hit me in the moment that, Oh shit, everything that happened this week. And he got himself a goal tonight and played really well. Um, uh, it's nice to see on the field. Yeah. They gave it to Jerusi and Jerusi handed over the drumstick with a good gesture, but in the locker room, uh, it was Cascante who got the game ball and well-deserved and that's it makes me feel great that this fan base rallied behind him that quickly and showed an outpouring of love and support and Seth you mentioned it like it, it matters it, it really does matter that you show these guys who you want to be as a fan base um and they'll come out and fight for you when you know they understand we get frustrated we're not winning and tactics, whatever the case may be. But if you're just behind them as people, it goes a long damn way. Yeah. And I think we always highlight that here too, is, you know, we're ragging on a person uh, for, you know, Rigoni or whoever for not performing. We're not like, Oh my God, he's a terrible person. Yeah. He seems like a nice boy. Um, But yeah, I, I thought that was yeah. worth a, a minute. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah. And like, also like that is just so not, I mean, I mean, Devin and I are more of this of seeing how how fans how players have been treated, especially in Europe and other parts of South America. Like that is just so not the norm in the rest of international football. And establishing a new norm here is really important for the club identity. Yeah, and I mean we talk about this, and I'm going to be a little cynical here, but like you know, LA can kind of offer you a bunch of LAFC can offer you a bunch of sponsorship deals and kind of erstwhile outside of the salary cap income. You can go live on the beach if you want to live forever away from LAFC. Um, but, you know, there are special things here with the fan base. We talk about it a lot, but, like, you have to recognize the smaller things we do, too. I mean, I'm saying smaller kind of in air quotes, too. But, um, you know, because it's obviously bigger than just a bunch of people cheering in a stadium, especially for somebody who's been through that. Um, that's how you get a reputation as being a club people want to play for. Yep. Yeah, and I... I think it's especially important in our league, right? So you mentioned the LA's and Miami's of the world, and even New York as when they get their new stadium, those are going to be the glamor places for international signings. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get like a, a huge name, like even like a Gareth Bale type name, right? It's, it's just not going to happen, but we are a destination within the league. If you look at the player surveys, wait, last year was where would you want to play? And the top two teams were LA and Austin. Um, how can we get these experienced MLS guys that are 25, 26 to sign on with us when they're free agents that are the Ethan Finleys of the world, the Diego Fagundeses of the world that, you need to have because of the salary cap structure of this league in order to be successful. 
Yeah, I mean, we could even look at like uh, last year we had Felipe for a year who was on league minimum. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to go a long way towards this culture, this club, um, and being a consistently strong team that can compete. Um, I'm not a guy who expects to win a championship every year. It's unreasonable. But I do expect to compete every year. And as long as we continue to have this kind of culture and support around it, then I think these guys who make up so much MLS backbone of teams will continue to see Austin as a destination and a place where they can go thrive, be happy, play in front of a passionate fan base, but a fan base that's got their back. And that's, that's just going to help us um, over the long haul. Yeah. And I mean, we, again, we're, like I'm being a little cynical about this, but uh, you win and you are constantly competitive in this league. If you're Seattle, SKC, whoever, you hit those TAM or like high regular salary cap guys. And those guys are maybe taking a, a tiny, tiny pay cut to be in those whatever salary rules to beat a club like Austin, right? Yeah, and, and also we have to recognize that no matter what happens with this messy experiment, like there's going to be some loosening of these rules. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but there's going to be some loosening of the rules that is going to happen with this, with the Copa America here, with the um, Club World Cup here, with the World Cup here. Like this, like the next three years are going to be really, really interesting to look at the evolution of this league. And as this league continues to get better, and even as we're attracting foreign talent, as we're attracting other players, like we, the goal is we have to punch way above our weight. And I think that we're going to build the culture to do that. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, like, that is like, that is the biggest thing we could do to aid the front office in this, which I know is not like the way that we like to think about it as fans, but that's really what it is. No. And I mean, I don't actually have a problem with us, quote unquote, aiding the front office. I think most fans are just uh, maybe the front office needs to come a little closer to us than us always going towards them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did want to ask, I don't know if either of you have seen anything about this. Brad, you mentioned uh, Diego grabbed the ball after his goal and he did the like tuck under, suck his thumb thing. Is mm -hmm. he having another kid? No, I don't think so. I think it's just his first goal since he announced he was having a child. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's exactly what it was. Okay, cool. Uh, you guys want to jump into stock rising, stock falling, all that fun stuff? Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, Seth, I'll let you lead off, and we'll just do the whole week at once. Uh, stock rising. Stock rising is our boy Ethan Finley. Um, get it? Yep. You both matches, and um, looks like that he, at least for the short future, has secured a starting job over a DP, which um, if you had that predicted when he signed 18 months ago, I think we would have all been laughing at well, I mean, we were talking about it last year. Like, yeah, Ethan's playing well, but we need a DPU-level guy, and we got a DPU-level guy, and Ethan's starting again. So, um, <laughs> hey, whatever, man. If you want to you know get goals, right. I don't care how they how they uh, go in. Oh, you know what? The real stock rising is Ethan Finley's dad because, yes. you know, he... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Stock rising, me not engaging with him on Twitter because he had, would have a lot of stuff to uh, shove in my face. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Brad, how about you? Stock riser means Nick Lima. Um, yep. I thought he had a hell of a game on Wednesday night. And even last night, he was very solid. Um, he, he's been a rock back there on that on that right side for us. And he's 
He's, I think he's in some of his best form since coming here, just very quietly playing very, very good defensive soccer for us um, and cutting out some plays when we absolutely need him to cut them out. So for me, uh, he's the guy that is just kind of quietly doing some great work on us, and that's why I would give him stock rising. Yeah, and I think part of this too is he kind of matches really well with Finley, uh, just kind of their natural games. And we talk about this a lot more for like players just in kind of the front third, like, you know, Arzardes and Driussi taking up the same positions, that sort of thing. But uh, especially the guys on the outside and the way we're playing, uh, it's sometimes it's it's almost more important that you have like the right guys that match up together than just like whoever's best at, you know, whatever position it's not you know, the, the FIFA or the football manager, so-and-so is an 88, but so-and-so is an 86, but the 86 guy maybe combines better with who you have at right back or left back or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think Nick's done, done really well. He had some errors um, his first couple of seasons, even a little bit this year, but I think he seems a little more, um, I don't know if you just want to call it confident. Um, I think that's a really good shout. Uh, I'm going to take Josh Wolf. Um, he actually screamed at an official on Wednesday, even though it was over his kid. He was correct, by the way. The guy should have had second yellow. Uh, he wore Bear Day last night, and uh, we, you know, first season, we had the whole debacle where a bunch of people went up to Frisco, and he played a, a B-team lineup. And uh, we played full starters twice in three days, both on delayed games. Um, left him in for a little longer, and I don't think we didn't... We uh, talked about subs a ton. Um, but you know, he seems to be adapting and that's all we've ever asked from him. So um, full marks to the coach. Which, uh, by the way, uh, the Frisco fans who were saying, well, y'all only beat our B or C team. You shouldn't be ragging. You know what it feels like now to travel three hours down the road to see that happen. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't feel bad for you. No. And, and, you, and you actually got a cool night, unlike what we had to deal with up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'll give a bonus one here to our boy Danny Pereira, who obviously, like, I don't necessarily, I, I think we all think his stock is high enough, but the fact that he did not get a yellow card on Wednesday night after coming back playing three days earlier for the Venezuelan national team, like, one heck of a performance and yeah. from both matches from him. Yeah, I would have pulled him the second that third goal went, but uh, uh, he stayed in there a little bit and, um, I guess we didn't talk about the refs. I thought uh, we can just shoehorn that in here. Like Wednesday, fine, whatever. Uh, last night, not great. I thought the yellow card awards were very uneven uh, and easily could have had a couple second yellows on Houston. Like I kind of understand, you know, he's trying to keep the game under wraps, but uh, they were literally like, going out and trying to take out our players. And I don't appreciate that shit. But uh, any thoughts from either of you on either day? I, I've gotten kind of numb to it. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> sadly where we are with pro that I'm just, okay. It, it was, last night was definitely not fantastic. Um, yellow cards were flying in the second half to a degree that I thought was a little overbearing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't see anything egregious that I'm going to go up in arms about about last night either. Yeah, I'm kind of at that point too where basically as long as – there's no like gigantic earth shattering call fine. Yeah. Uh, especially one that they get wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, the bar for pro screwing up is now gotten to a point that unless you botch an obvious red card, we're not going to mention it, which says everything you need to know about pro. Yeah. Or, you know, you forget to draw the fucking line, Seth. 
<laughs> uh, not that I'm still mad about it or anything. But um, uh, should we do, I'll open forum this, should we do stock falling or do we just want to do another round of stock rising? Oh, I've got a stock falling. Oh, I've got stock falling too. Okay, go, go we'll, first, we'll do Brad. stock. Brad, you can go first. The United States of America as a country to live in. Because I think that's what's costing us Radovanovich. <laughs> uh, kid, or can we just really add that into the state of Texas as well? Uh, fair. Right? It is <laughs> like if he were up here in Chicago, uh, our, our public transit barely works. I had to take an Uber to Soldier Field last night because the train stopped working. But like <laughs> there's a, um, no, but like it is the fact that the state of Texas keeps on passing stupid laws and is not focused on the well-being of its citizens is costing this club players away. And like also really interesting to me last night that um, I didn't get to finish all of it before the podcast here because I was watching the game and then we got to see half of MLS wrap up. MLS wrap up, we had a beautiful TIFO last night talking about inter the intersectionality of Juneteenth and on um, Pride Month here. And MLS wrap-up does not highlight that, but they highlight the wherever you'll go will follow um, from Columbus. And I think that tells you where we are as a league and where we are as a country, that, oh, we're not here for this. But, like, it shouldn't be radical to want people to be able to live safely in the state and community. It shouldn't be hard. Yeah. And we need to start introducing uh, Slavic languages into our public schools. Um, sure. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> Maybe, um, what you call it? <laughs> I mean, heck, I'd be happy if most kids just learned English and Spanish in our schools, much less a third language, but yeah, that's I, another day. Yeah, either one. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's weird too. I didn't, I didn't catch rap, but, um, even if you want to try to like avoid a quote unquote, it's not really to me, but I guess to some people political issue, the U.S. thing's fucking boring. Like just skip it. It's not worth highlighting, but um, yeah, it was a great TIFO. Uh, thanks for shouting that out. I didn't. Yeah, fantastic work on that one to all the yeah. designers and the folks who typed that. They, they had some, they also had some logistical issues with that TIFO to get it done. Um, just like finding a place, a uh, normal place to where they would paint wasn't available and just scrambling to make sure that thing got done. Um, real huge shout out to those folks to, to the work that went into that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's what the fourth TIFO we've pulled off in nine home matches this year. Like, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I think there's. It is. Are, are we doing one for the SKC match too? No, not that no, I'm okay. aware. No, I mean, I, I, I haven't been not being local anymore. I haven't been as plugged into that scene. But it is um, my understanding is if we were to make a deep run in League's Cup, there would be something. But probably then um, the LAFC match at the end of the season is the only one I, other one I've heard that there's definitely going to be something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, everybody who works on those deserves a break. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's down to right now. Is that, that I think the folks who are on TIFO team, they're just exhausted and need a break right now. Yeah. Um, good for them. Um, definitely not stocks falling. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Brad did a stock falling here. I mean, I still think we got to go back to Ragoni as a stock falling here. Like you lost your DP who lost a starting job. Like, and he, I mean, obviously the, we've we covered the five on one break there. Like, he hasn't shown a reason to win back the job. And like, if I, I don't know, like if I were a star of a team and I had been, 
benched on that, I think I would be motivated like no other to try to go win back that spot. And I just don't see the motivation out of him. And like, yeah, it's freaking frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of rankles people a lot too, is just, you know, you can mess some stuff up, but like he just sort of is like, oh, well, I'll try again later. And I'm not saying that's like a bad attitude to have as a player. He just doesn't seem quite as like, you know, we talked about Rado pumping up the crowd or like throwing his body on the line. Like that's how you get fans on your side, even if you're not playing well. Yeah. Uh, um, Stock falling here. I don't know if I have a great one because everybody was pretty good this week. Stock falling, my opinions on this podcast. Um, <laughs> although uh some uh some people have clued in that my superpower is when i start to shit talk something they um you know either a player or a team they start to do really well <laughs> so uh hopefully we'll we'll keep that up and i'll i'll find some nits to pick but um i guess we can move into uh seth biggest moment of suffering this week biggest moment of suffering well like we um, like that's actually a good one for this week. Um, I, I had thought about soccer Isaac stock falling before this. I was like, wow, I didn't really do that much suffering this week on other things. Um, I would say, um, the biggest moment of suffering would be that, oh, we've had to pipe down the wolf out people for a week. <laughs> we will never surrender. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I'm maybe in like a weird camp of only a few people where I'm not vehemently Josh in, Josh out. I'm just sort of, hey, if you learn shit, I'm fine with you sticking around. Uh, and he seems yeah. to be learning shit, and then he'll prove us all wrong next weekend. So we can open this discussion again then. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, honestly, the biggest moment of uh, suffering is still just Julio's going through all of that. Like, it's just, as we, we've already covered it, but it's, it's just, it's never acceptable. Yeah. Um, even if you want to be a dickhead on the internet, like, don't racially abuse people yeah um you can be a dickhead in plenty of other ways that are fun and entertaining so just don't do that yeah um you'd think we wouldn't have to say that but here we are uh brad how about you thursday the 22nd of june (laughs) (laughs) by the way did you get the train home no so i i I drove for wednesday night because i was working the floor in the game um so it starts here. I leave the game around 1230 after finishing some work down there. I'm starving and decided I wanted Whataburger. My favorite thing at Whataburger is the Buffalo Ranch chicken strip sandwich that they run like twice a year. And it just happened to be on the menu when I walked in. I wasn't expecting it. What the guy didn't tell me was that a 20-person order had been placed for the overnight crew at the HEB next door. Oh, so I sat at Whataburger unknowingly for damn near an hour waiting for a sandwich. Oh, yeah. At one in the morning, I'm starving and just want to go to bed because I got to be at work the next. I got to be up for work the next morning. And I say the whole day because, as I had mentioned, working the floor, I worked my ass off running up and down, hyping up crowd, doing whatever. I now understand why I don't have season tickets in the supporter section because (laughs) my old ass was beat. Thursday, my legs, my knees, my ankles, my shoulders, everything hurt for an entire day. Um, so yeah, that day's just going to go down as hell for 24 hours. 
Yeah, I think there were a lot of people, even if they weren't quite to the same level as you, uh, were a bit struggly. Uh, <laughs> I'm still catching up on sleep from that. So, uh, and I live much closer and got to leave as soon as the game was over. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, for me, it's actually a very minute moment where Owen picks up this yellow card. Uh, we're up 2 0 against Houston. And it's kind of a silly yellow because if he is a little more experienced, he goes up and he plays the guy direct. He either hacks him down and still gets the same foul without the yellow or um, they pass the ball back. So it's kind of like an immature play and whatever, you know, he's 12 years old uh, and he, you know, he's learning. But um, I see the ref like gleefully pull out this yellow card and I was just like, oh, fuck, we're going to get a stupid yellow card, second yellow or a red card, or we're going to get a dumb penalty or something, and then I'm going to be right about this wolf-out shit about him never being able to chain two good games together, and uh, none of that ended up happening, so my suffering was short-lived. It's nice. Uh, anything else you guys think we should focus on this week? No, I think I think we've, we've done a pretty comprehensive job covering this. I mean, we've been going for, what, almost 80 minutes here? Um, but yeah, no, I think overall good week and we move into a really big stretch of games coming up here yes that it's sort of sexier to play Copa Tejas matches at home but these next three matches on the road are going to determine a lot of the future of the season the one thing I do want to call out a couple of great saves by Stuber at the end of the game last night to preserve the clean sheet uh both games yeah really really nice job um to keep that up because I know the team was working their ass off to keep those clean sheets Yes, and it just dawned on me that uh, I teasered this, but I took a penalty on Brad Stuber. (laughs) I Uh, saw it. It wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys have seen the video. (laughs) Uh, But I was going to, you know, do it on air for everybody else. So uh, I don't think in my life I've ever missed a penalty before. And so I walk up there and uh, he's like, oh, man, like Burkamp, like great jersey. And uh, he's being like really nice to me. And I don't know how to deal with that. So if you guys are ever like playing some sort of game or sports against me, the way to get into my head is to be like super nice to me. Because if you like talk shit, I'm just like, oh, water off a duck's back. Like this will just energize me. And so he's like being super, super nice to me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So we had talked a little bit uh, on one of the previous shows. And one of my other buddies is like, oh, dude, you're going to do this. You got to penenka him. All right, fine, whatever. You know, like I'll go up there and I'll do that. Well, he's not really like saving like diving or anything because it's like a charity event and why would he? And so I'm like, okay, well, like I can't just walk up there and like chip it straight to him. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to um, pull it top left. Uh, you know, pretty easy shot. And I was just like, well, he's kind of like gone a little harder on the last few. And so I'm like, all right, well, all right, top left, going to do it. So I take one step. And this, by the way, is a tutorial on how to never take a penalty for anybody. I got one step and I go, Oh shit, he's slightly shaded to the side I'm going to shoot to. I have to go bottom right. I misstep the next step and then shank it about three feet wide of the post. (laughs) So it wasn't like, eh, oh, like you just barely missed or like you put it over because you shot it too hard. Like that was, there could have been nobody in the goal or anything like that and no pressure on me. And the way I mentally went about it, I would have missed that shot by a fucking mile any day of the week. So that's a lesson (laughs) for the day. That's amazing. I was out of town for the event, but how was that that event as a whole? Uh, it was good. We had to leave a little early because we were going to the Austin Rise game. 
um and we had like a uh, dinner stuff beforehand but um it was good uh seemed like a pretty good crowd maybe like a couple hundred people out there and um you know he was it was right after the uh, skc game but he was still in a you know good mood signing autographs a lot of kids around uh so it's good a good community building event uh, speaking of Austin Rise, Devin, I have a very important question to ask you. As I was looking at Austin Rise, I saw their next home game is, I guess, a derby for you. They're playing backcountry. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that is a derby for me. I didn't think about that, but uh, we'll be at the game, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll bring home a win. They did win their last game against uh, San Antonio. Yeah, they. Uh, it looks like they lost on Friday to Corinthians, which I believe is also San Antonio based. But. Uh, I'm at the home game. Um, yes. But yeah, that's good for people who haven't been. It's at uh, House Park. Um, you know, bring in your water bottle. You can get tacos at uh, Paprika. Um, you know, pretty good quality game. They usually, uh, it's free subbing um, on any whistle. So obviously they're not like, it's semi-pro. So they're not like actually trying to get people to die playing 90 minutes or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is nice to see. And it keeps the quality up uh, quite a bit too. Um, but yeah, they're good games. They're fun. And uh, there's really good uh, Murga showing at the first one. Is uh, Paprika they, running a truck there at the games? Uh, yeah, they've been there for both games. I don't know for sure if they're at every single one, but uh, they literally have like the food truck there. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so get your tacos, get your jaritos, and, and enjoy the show. And I think they're usually scheduled. So if you're worried about this, um, so the sun's behind House Park and you can sit in the shade and there's only stands on one side. So um, yeah, on the west side, I've have called many a football game from that east side press box uh, in late August, early September, and the sun's just beating down and it's it's not fun. Yeah, well, it's good for the players, too. Uh, so it's actually behind there and it's shaded for most of the game. Uh, yeah, anything else you guys want to highlight? Uh, you know, fuck Dallas, fuck Frisco, fuck the Houston Dynamo. Yeah, that's all I need this yeah. week. Good week. Good week. Um, and I guess we'll kind of see what the future holds for us. Um, my bonus moment of suffering, by the way, was the U.S. rehiring Greg Berhalter, but that's going to be an entirely different podcast. So uh, I didn't want to open up that can of worms, but um, it was a good week. Enjoy it. Enjoy the minimal suffering, the maximal joy. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you joining us. Um, on behalf of Seth and Brad, uh, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.